Lane, Christ the King. There we go. Woo! I'll talk quiet. Um, I don't think I know anybody here. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about my, I, I know a few of you, but most of you I don't. So I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I, I'm here to fill in for Dan this week, who's on a well-deserved um, little bit of time off. Um, let's just give it up for Dan if he's watching online for how hard he works. He loves the church. He loves you guys. Um, so as I mentioned, my name is Brian. I, uh, I attend with my family at Blaine CTK. Um, so many of you know Tyler over there. I get the chance to, to hear him preach and, and, and be loved on by him, um, but also be a part of a, a couple of things there. So I get, I'm the volunteer worship director, and I also get to be part of the preaching team. So I get to preach every other month and, and help give Tyler a break, but I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. I'll tell you a little bit about myself beyond that. Uh, so I actually live in Birch Bay uh, with my wife and my four kids, um, and I think there's a picture of them. Boom. Um, that's us at a theme park in California, which name? Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, my kids would remember, but, but they're not all here today, so they can't remind me. So that's my wife, Jessie. Uh, my oldest son with the, the tall one is Jameson. He's 10. Eden on the left is 9. Porter is about to turn 6 years old. And then the real small one's name is Heath, and he's actually here today, and he's still just that cute. So if you want to see him after service, myself or my wife, Jesse, will be holding him, and, and he likes he usually likes to smile at strangers and, and be sweet and kind. Um, but so that's my family, um, and, and I'm just thankful for them. And, and we live in, in Birch Bay Village, which actually grew up in Birch Bay Village. And my wife convinced me that eventually I should move back to, to where I grew up because it was pretty great. And so is any, does anyone here live in the village? So you guys know, the village is pretty great. But I was, you know, I was 30 years old, and I was like, I don't want to live where I grew up. And But now that I'm back, oh, so glad to be here. So uh, enough about me, though. We'll, we'll, uh, I'm going to pray real quick, and then let's, uh, let's jump into our, our uh, digging into the Word today. God, we thank you. Um, thank you for the chance to come into worship, God. We thank you that we get to be here and that we get to know that, that you are God, um, that you have saved us and that you work in our hearts and that you're going to continue to work as we engage with you, Lord. We pray that it be your words that we hear today, um, and God, that your spirit would move. We thank you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So I get to continue in the, the Flourish series, which I think we're in the third week, um, the Flourish, Choosing Connection in a Withering World. And the series as a whole has been based on the first half of John 15. Um, taking a look at spiritual practices with the intention of remaining in Christ, living a life that flourishes in connection with him. Uh, another word for flourish is maybe grow or thrive, right? We want to thrive in our relationship with Christ. And today I'm honored to be sharing with you about the spiritual practice of generosity um, and what scripture reveals about its impact on our lives as believers in Christ. Um, now, before we jump specifically into generosity, I want to set the table a little bit for talking about spiritual practices, why they impact our lives so immensely, um, and why they help us flourish. As you see, there's something um, that I think is really important to lay out today, because generosity is probably the most tangible of all of the, the spiritual practices that are going to be talked about in this series. And what I mean by, by that, in generosity being tangible, is that, that it's when we're practicing generosity, it's really easy 
to see or or to to measure and that's not always the case for all spiritual practices right prayer we can say hey you know i, I prayed i prayed for this long but but it might be tougher for us to say hey i prayed and be i prayed and because i prayed this happened or or maybe we, we might we might never see how that's working. The, the connection to how our prayer impacts our world maybe isn't always as clear. And that's that's not to say that prayer isn't clear. But but with generosity, it, it's pretty clear, right? If you see someone who's in need and they're like, hey, I'm hungry, I need $5, you give them $5, you can, if you want to be weird, you can follow them to the store, you can watch them spend that $5 and they're not hungry anymore, right? That's a pretty tangible or, or measurable result to our generosity. Right, or, or maybe maybe you're, you're, you want to be generous with your time and your work, and your neighbor needs to paint his house, or, or, or on July 30th, the, the church is, is getting painted and worked on, and you say, I want to be generous with my time and my skills, and you show up here. It's pretty clear at the end and be like, oh, the church is painted now. It looked like this. Now it, it looks like this. It looked like that before, and, and here's how much time I was. It's very tangible and easy to measure this as a spiritual practice. And the reason that I'm, I, I want to lay that out is because before we jump into generosity and in this tangible spiritual practice i want to make sure that we know that it is in no way less spiritual than other spiritual practices okay it is in no way less spiritual just because we can maybe see it a little bit more clearly it is in no way less spiritual and so yeah we might we might see the result but but we 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 can't miss the fact because when we function generously in response to who we are in Christ, there is actually more going on than meets the eye. There's more to generosity than just that person's not hungry anymore. The church is painted and, and it looks great. Or, hey, you know what? I, I helped so-and-so with, with X, Y, and Z, and now they're doing great. There's so much more because as Christians, we live and act in our life filled with and moved by the Holy Spirit. Right? Titus 3.6 says, He poured out His Spirit on us abundantly, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So we, we, aren't just, we aren't just friends with Jesus. We aren't just like hoping to fit in with his crew when we're, you know, hey, be part of my vine. Like, oh, sweet, part of the vine. That sounds, we're not just fitting in with the crew. God doesn't say like, oh, I would love for you to be generous because, you know, all the cool things I'm doing, I could use some sprinkles on top. Like, no, no, no. Like, we, God has chosen that much of the work that he's going to do in this world, he has chosen to do it through his church, to do it through you as believers in Christ. So if we believe in the Holy Spirit, then we must also believe that obedience to God's word has a spiritual effect. Okay? Right? God, God calls us to come and to obey his word and to live for him. And we have to realize that because we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then we've got to realize that acting in obedience has a spiritual effect. When you do the right thing, it isn't just like, oh, that was nice. Yeah, I, I, you know, I stopped doing this stupid thing. I stopped stealing, so now I don't go to jail. Oh, that's great. There's, there's, there's a spiritual effect as well. And that spiritual effect isn't just for those who we are generous to, right? So when we think about generosity and we think, hey, I'm going to give someone something, they have it, great. Whoo, they get all, all the, they reciprocate everything. No, God is also transforming not others, but he's transforming us as well to look more like him. And that's why this is included in this sermon series to flourish, to be a part of the vine, to remain in God. Second Corinthians 3, 17 to 18 paints that picture for this. It says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all with unveiled faces 
are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is spirit. Okay, so we see right there that that generosity, that the, the, the spiritual impact that that's making, it's happening to those who are generous with, but it's happening to us as we are transformed to look more like Christ. And our growth in Christ through spiritual practices is a spiritual event. And it isn't by our own power either, right? We may be saying, hey, yeah, I went and I did this generous thing, so check it out. I, I upgraded myself. No, that, that doesn't happen at all. Because what happens is, as we are obedient and generosity, as we see the tangible actions and, and reactions, we have to remember that the important work, the spiritual work that is being done, that is God's work being done. That's why we must take so seriously the development of our connection with him by remaining in him and him in us because he loves to do his work in us. He loves that we are a part of the blessing and the transformation that takes place in this world. And he does that through being in a relationship with us and leading us by the spirit to obedience to his word. So pulling, pulling a passage out of, out of the Flourish series, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And friends, how, I mean, let's just praise God. How amazing that God has chosen that we are to take part in his work in our own lives and in other lives, right? Praise God for that. He says, I want to work in your heart. I want to work in others' hearts. So here's what you're going to do. And that's not because he needs us, but because he wants to be us involved. This is the way that he has chosen for things to be. Now, I'll be honest, on the topic of, of generosity, of, of Christian generosity, I, I, uh, I spent a lot of my life learning about that, thinking about that, and, and I didn't really look at Scripture as much. And, and I, I, uh, I saw how other people were generous. I, I, I saw how I was generous. And, and there's a lot of things that... that I think I wasn't getting right for a lot of my life. I remember I, I had a friend in high school and a few years after, and he was kind of that buddy, and he was always, you know, we'd go out to Denny's or whatever, and he'd be like, hey, man, can you buy my meal? Sorry, I ordered it already. I didn't bring my wallet. And, you know, I was that friend who's like, yeah, I got you. I'll cover you. I'll cover you. Or, oh, hey, shoot, you know, I need some gas. Can you get me some gas money? And, and what started out is just me kind of saying, oh, yeah, of course. Like, I want to have you around. Like, come have some food with us. I'll buy your meal quickly turned into me feeling real good about myself. Me feeling like, oh man, he's so, he's so lucky. Like God just must be, no wonder I have this blessing in my life. I buy, I buy meals for my buddy. Like God's totally blessing me for that. And, and as time went on, I continued to help him and the pride in my heart continued to grow because I wasn't thinking about generosity from scripture. I was just thinking of this loose understanding I had of it. I was like, yeah, God tells us to give and, and I'm giving and it says he's going to bless me. So I just started associating blessings with my life with helping my buddy out with Denny's meals. And you might be thinking like, that's really ridiculous, but it, that, that's where I was. It was, it's the truth. And as time went on, that, that pride grew and grew. And eventually that pride took over, and I thought, you know what? I really deserve all that money back. I, I gave him all that money. I, I deserve to have it. And I eventually said, hey, man, I think like I've given you like this much money. You should start paying me back. And, uh, and I'm embarrassed to say that, that I, I, I had him pay me back slowly over time. And as I did it, I, I was pretty pompous about like, yeah, hey, I gave you this money. You should pay me back. And, and I'm, I'm sure you can guess how that, that friendship continued it it just kind of fizzled out you know he, he paid me back a good chunk of it he he used to go to church with me he stopped going to church and 
And I think back to that time, and I'm like, man, like, I got that wrong. I got that wrong because I, I really wasn't looking to the word of God to define generosity for me. And I think about other things that I saw in the world, and, and I wasn't the only one getting it, getting it wrong. I, 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 looked at, I looked at people who were flying personal jets, preachers riding their personal jet to a group of, of, of underprivileged people and saying, hey, give us this money and we'll, you'll get more back. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's fix your financial problem by donating to my ministry. And then when I leave, God's just going to throw a bunch of money your way. Or, or, or the people that I saw who, who said, you know what? I, I want to give a gift, but I'm going to kind of hold it over their head. They, they kind of owe me. I don't expect financial back, but maybe that. And, and some people, maybe they, the way that it, it just didn't seem right wasn't as obvious. But, but I'd see people maybe giving and being generous, and, and it seemed like they were just trying to bury their guilt and their shame. Or maybe they, they were flaunting their gifts. They said, look at how much I gave. I'm so awesome. And even though in, in each of those circumstances was different, and, and in some of those circumstances, people were actually being blessed and helped, I knew that there, there, there had to be more. There's got to be something more to generosity than this sort of like, not everything seems right here, but maybe some of it's good. So then there was also this young Christian couple that I knew. And they had just made a change in their life to follow the Lord's call for them to start tithing and to live more generously. And this change transformed their life. I remember sitting down with my buddy and he's like, Brian, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but my wife and I are being faithful. We're, we're giving, we're doing these things, and God is working in our hearts and in our lives in ways that, that we didn't expect and that we didn't understand. And, and I never could, could shake off, like, what is going on there? Like, something is different. And friends, today, we, I, I want to sit in Scripture with you because what I've learned is when I looked at those friends, the Holy Spirit was working and moving in their lives because they were faithfully being generous in obedience to God. So today we're going to ask a question. It's going to kind of lead us through everything we're going to go through, and it's just this. How does generosity help us flourish in life and in relationship with God? Okay, how does generosity help us flourish in life and in relationship with God? Because we know that, that, that we can give, and we know that Scripture makes very clear that giving is something amazing. It is a blessing to others. Is it a blessing to us? But we also see generosity in the world not quite looking right. And we're going to look at Scripture and hopefully come out the other side of today understand a little bit better. So our first encouragement in this question, that we will grow in Christ through obedient generosity. Why will that happen? The first reason that we can know that when we think of generosity, that we will know that it will help us remain in God is because generosity is instructed in Scripture as well as exemplified throughout it. Okay? It's instructed in Scripture and exemplified throughout it. God does not tell us to do things that don't bring us closer to Him. We got right? He, he, he doesn't say, hey, go and love your neighbor. It's not really going to have much to do with me and you, but your neighbor. No. When He gives instruction, He's saying, be like this because it is like me and we will be closer. So we can move forward knowing that the God of the universe is at work through our Christian generosity. When we pursue following and being obedient to that, God will be at work. He wouldn't call us to do it if it didn't bring us closer to him. So our main passage today 
Um, the one that we'll, we'll read through and we'll come back to a couple more times is out of Corinthians. Um, one of Second Corinthians, one of Paul's letters, and it's in the later part of the letter, um, a little bit later in, and Paul's writing to the Corinthians about um, a commitment of generosity that they were, they were going to make towards um, the church in Jerusalem. And Titus was going to come, he was going to pick up um, this gift, and let's read what Paul said here. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for the food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. So we look at this passage, and we ask our question, right? How does generosity create a thriving relationship with Christ? And I'll tell you that there's a lot in this nine verses, and, and I'm only going to scratch the surface here. We, we would need multiple weekends or multiple hours, and it's real sunny today, and the last thing I want is it to be 1.30, and you're like, Brian, like, I was going to go to the water slides. Um, you're, don't worry. We'll be, we'll be out on time. You'll get, you'll get your water slide time in. Does anyone ever just leave church and go straight to the water? I just got to know. I feel like if I went to church here, I would just, especially if I was Dan, I was looking out, I'd just be like, all right, church is done, let's go slide, and no one does that? Okay, well, if I was here, I would do that. I'd have no money left. I'd be, I'd be sliding every day. Um, so anyways, back to this passage. The first thing we see in this passage that helps us flourish in our relationship between us and Christ, first thing, it creates in us a Christ-like posture before our king. Okay? It creates in us a Christ-like posture before our king. And posture is important because connection takes place in how we are with each other. If you and I went to coffee, um, we went down to the new Baywood Cafe, it just opened up, we're hanging out, and you're sitting there and you're kind, you're just being so honest and, and funny, you're trying to make me laugh, you're just being a good friend. You care about me, you want to feel that connection, and I'm sitting there on the other side of the table, and I'm just, I'm just being real poor to you. I'm being rude, I'm, I might be telling some lies, I'm making some rude jokes at your expense. I, I really am just not interested in hanging out. That would have an impact on the success of our relationship, right? If you were just being awesome, which I know you would be, everyone here, you guys have been so kind and sweet, my wife and I have met a ton of you. Um, and, and I promise I wouldn't be this way if we went to coffee. But if I was, right, it would be a little one-sided. It would impact it. Because your posture and my posture would be very different. My posture would be one of, I don't, I'm not going to invest in this connection. And even if you tried super hard to do it all right, there would always be something holding it back because of the different posture that we had towards our relationship. 
and it wouldn't be able to flourish. And if we wanted to experience that, that best possibility that that relationship has to offer, we would both have to have the right posture. And that goes for our relationship with Christ. Our posture in our relationship with Christ is, is valuable. And so in this passage, there's four different ways that, that, that I think are pretty easy to identify that Paul is teaching here for how we can have posture, how, or sorry, how generosity impacts our posture in our relationship with Christ. Okay? And this isn't an exhaustive list of Christ-like characteristics. At the end, I always, you know, you'll probably be thinking, there's more, there's more. If there is, write it down and remember it, because praise God that he's moving in your heart that way. So the first posture, that generosity when we are being generous in obedience to God's word, it, the first posture it teaches us is a posture of joy. Okay? Generosity teaches us a posture of joy. And let's go back to that, the long passage in 2 Corinthians 9-7. It says, Each person should do so as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Okay? So this is, this, is, this is a joy in the way that, that, that Christ finds joy in us, right? Because, friends, Jesus doesn't want us to feel loathing or pressure when we're giving. No, Scripture isn't denying also that giving is hard or maybe even painful. It acknowledges the difficulty of generosity because you might be giving money out of your own pocket. You might be giving time out of it. And it says in, in the midst of that responsibility, it recognizes that, and it says, I want you to be a cheerful giver or not at all, Okay? Now, I don't think this is a free pass if, if you don't like giving enough. You're like, oh my gosh, Brian, you just like, I don't have to give anymore because I'm not excited about it. Friend, I think if that's the case, you need to seek the Lord and you need to pray about how you feel about giving. But, but if we realize that God wants us to be joyful in following his instruction, then he's saying this is a Christ-like way. These are, I, he, if he is joyful in his generosity towards us, he's trying to teach us how to be joyful in generosity towards others so that we might look more like him, okay? And doing that well, it might take time, right? You might not be excited. You, 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 might, you might be thinking, oh man, well, I definitely didn't want to come on the 30th and now my heart isn't in it, so I know I shouldn't come. And that's okay. It's gonna take time. Or maybe you're already there and you can continue praying and rejoicing. And maybe there's someone in your life you can say, hey, you know, here's how God worked in my life and created joy and generosity. But the point is, is that we have Christ at our side. So wherever we're at in terms of joy in relation to generosity, he is the one that wants to do that work. The second posture that it teaches us is a posture of humility. Philippians 2, 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. That's a posture of humility right there. Humility is one of the most important postures that we see throughout the Bible. If you read in Philippians, you'll see the humility of Jesus, just continuing on just past that verse we read, the humility of Jesus' entire human existence on earth. The passage goes on to read that how we are in relationship with one another should be founded on how Jesus was. That despite being God, he didn't use that to his advantage, but instead he came to earth as a man. He became a servant to us, those he created. I mean, think about it. Jesus created us, and then he comes to earth, and he is a servant towards us. That's, that's a sense of humility that, that is unimaginable. And if Jesus could give humbly and without pride, if he took the generous nature to be a servant to others, then how much more should we be humble in our giving? 
And friends, if we, if we want to look like Christ and experience him more, we must seek humility. We can't expect to look like Jesus without it. And so when we're giving generously and humbly, Christ will be teaching us how to have that posture of humility. He'll be saying, oh my goodness, yes, just like I was. The act of being obediently and joyful, generous, takes being humble. And if we do this, he's going to create that in our hearts. The next posture is a posture of trust. Going back into Paul's letter, it says, And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. This is God right here saying, When you are generous, you can trust me. And I'm going to show you that you can trust me. And that in everything else that goes on and happens in your life, you will have a greater posture of trust because you trusted him in your generosity. We have a God who can be trusted in life and in death. But in our hearts, that doesn't always come naturally. I know for me, I, I, I don't wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm trusting God, it's perfect, I'm so good. That, that's not how my heart works. Maybe, maybe that's your song in the morning, I don't know. Um, I, know you're, I don't know how often Dan sings parts of his sermons up here, so you might be like, ooh, ooh. But, but, guys, I, I, I know that trust isn't always easy for me. And as much as I'd like to think that once I, I put my trust in Jesus when I was 15 years old, I was, I was sitting on a beach at a youth camp and I gave my life to him, I'd love to think that I stood up and it was like, trust is just perfect. No, because, because Christ did that work. He has been building and shaping and growing my trust for him, though, since that day. And he knows that as I trust him more, that I will be able to remain in him more and be closer to him. And so when we give, when we wonder, can, can I afford to give? Should I, should I really be changing my budget? Should I really be considering giving up some time that I'm spending here to spend over here? If we're seeking Jesus in this, if we're saying I'm being obedient to the word of God, and then we choose to make that step of generosity, we're trusting that, Lord, I trust that this is something to to take this time away here, and I trust that if I put it over here, that, that you will bless me, that it is good, that it will bring me closer to you. In 2 Corinthians 8.12, says, For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what a person does not have. We learn to trust in him because only he, because only he is the truly trustworthy savior we can't trust in this world we can't trust in ourselves and as the trustworthy savior who we know will take care of us even when we give a gift and we're thinking god i don't even have anything to give is this really even being generous he says yes yes whether whether we are able whether whether we're in our own homes or whether your wallet is empty or your schedule is stacked and you just don't even know whatever generosity we find to give from even our most empty moments and places in life we can trust that the eagerness and the obedience that we give that with is an acceptable gift so not only can we trust that God will take care of us but it teaches us that we can trust that our most meager and small gifts by the standard of the world are so big to him. We can trust that he understands true value. 
So when we go and we say, God, I, I, my wallet was empty, but I found a way to help this person. He doesn't say, well, it was only two bucks, so two bucks worth of blessing up here in heaven, I guess. No, that's why when you look at the story where, where, where Jesus is in the temple and he sees the rich people giving and the, and the poor person giving, and she says, she gave two pennies, and that was all she had. Because he isn't saying, whew, those people are just stacking the dollars there. I love it. No, he's saying their eagerness and obedience and that we can trust then that when we give him, we're like, God, is this much? He says, yes. He says, yes. The fourth posture is he teaches us a posture of sacrifice. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we give to others of things that are important to us, we begin to experience the beauty of sacrifice. Christ gave his life for us, and he calls us to do the same for him. And that might mean that your possessions and your time, your skills, those are part of that life that he's saying, I want you to give it to me. This life with Christ isn't a, he died for me. I'm, I'm so excited. Jesus died for me. So now I like get to live the same life. I get to enjoy it. I get to have all my stuff. Except now I know I'm going to heaven. Like he doesn't call us to that same life. And I think as believers, we know that he radically changes it. Because it's better. He knows that life is better. He knows that eternity, that the things of the spirit are better. Jesus is not of this world though. And that's why that one is tough to line up because it's easy to say, but look, look what the world values. Look at this, these things that bring me instant pleasure. But Jesus says when he calls us into a relationship with him, he calls us into a life of sacrifice, not one of holding on to all of our things because he knows that when we let go of things, we can grab on tighter to him. That posture of sacrifice. Generosity in the name of Christ will teach us about the sacrificial nature of our relationship with him. Jesus wasn't speaking lightly when he said in John 12, 25, he says, the one who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. God sees so much further. I think sometimes we like think like, oh man, like I love Jesus. I got to think bigger. And I think that's true. But we also have to realize though, that when we look to Christ, we don't just think bigger about the gospel. We don't just think bigger about this. We think further out. We think longer because God's got eternity in mind. So it's not just bigger, it's further, okay? And that is what can change our perspective on how we see the things of this world because we know that Jesus is looking beyond. So there's a couple more things that generosity does to impact our relationship with Christ. We talked about postures of joy, humility, trust, and sacrifice. There's a couple of the things. It teaches us to love others. It teaches us to love others. John 15, 11, and 12 says, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. And we just saw, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. He loved us with joy, with humility, with sacrifice. And he trusted in the Father. Friends, how amazing that God doesn't leave us hanging and how to love one another too, right? 
God doesn't say, here's my word, and you need, to, you need to love me. No, he's like, no, I want you to love others as well. He doesn't leave, and he doesn't leave us hanging with how that looks. How, and how amazing that he, he wants to, to grow you in obedience with him through that relationship. He says, part of our relationship, when, when God's looking at us, is part of your relationship with others. It's like a parent who tells his child, it's important that we treat others with kindness, right? The parent says that to the kid. And not only do they give the instruction to the one who's kind themselves, but they also join in them with this love, right? Imagine a parent who told their kids to be kind to their friends and kind to others, and then their friends come over and then, you know, dad's a jerk. And those kids are sitting there thinking, man, like, dad tells me to be kind, but then I like, definitely don't want to bring my friends over for dinner because he's mean. No, he's like... I want you to be kind to your friends, and I want to join you in that. Because he is the one who is truly kind and truly good. But he brings us in and takes a part of it. And he brings us in, in in relationships with others, not just our own friends. Jesus gave us his command. He exemplified that love through his life, death, and resurrection. And then he says, I want to take part in it with you. And throughout Scripture, in passages like this one from 2 Corinthians on generosity, his word teaches us about this love. Again, we, we talked about, you know, we know that we can trust that something brings us closer to God if it's instructed in his word and if it's exemplified. And I think loving others is instructed and exemplified a lot. And what's beautiful about this command, our love for others grows our relationship with Christ. When we're obedient to the word and we say, God, how do you want me to love others? It's growing our relationship with Christ because he's there with us. It makes us look like him. It connects us even more with him. And guys, that's because he wants us to be a part of his saving work in the world. The way that he wants to love those who are lost, the way that he wants to love those who are fellow, fellow believers to you, he wants us to be a part of that. So he's t- teaching you to bring him close to him, but he's teaching you as well because he's like, I am using you, and he loves it. He wants us to experience the transformation through beauty and love that he is doing in this world. His commands aren't just for personal growth, for our own or for others. They are for him because he finds joy and is glorified in doing his work through his children. The same theme continues with generosity. We can keep seeing and we learn now also as we look at it that not only does he teach us to love others, but it leads ourselves and others to worshiping our king. Okay, and this is another way that generosity brings us closer to God, is it leads ourselves and others to worshiping our king. We are once again called to join with God in his work. God works for his glory, and just as he does with love, he does it with worship. He says, I want you to point people to me. I feel like that's one of the greatest things that, that, that we can, if we ever just need a simple like, God, Oh, am I doing things right? Like, what? How do I? How do I? How do I look to you? Just ask yourself: Am I? Am I pointing people to Christ? And he and he wants that. He wants people being led to worship Him because, oh my gosh, I saw so and so doing this, and and giving glory to God, glory to God that the, oh, someone came and and helped us. We we needed groceries. And, and they just said, hey, like, God has told me to be obedient and to love you. Do you think they're going to be like, man, what nice people? They probably will, yeah, because you're probably really nice. But they're also going to be like, they're doing that because God, who is this God? 
He wants us to take part in pointing other people to him. It, it, Paul said, because of the proof provided by this ministry. I mean, he literally lays this out when in Corinthians, he's talking about the donation that they're giving to the church in Jerusalem. And he straight up is like, one of the greatest joys is, and see it right here, because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone. He is encouraging them by being like, guys, you're pointing to Jesus. People are worshiping God. He says, glory will come to me. Oh, and side note, I'm going to do it because you were generous to others. Do you see how the Lord is drawing us into him further and further as we do these spiritual practices? It isn't that he's just like, oh, yeah, I want you to do it because then you'll have a nice, comfy, cozy life. He's like, no, no, no. There's so much bigger than comfy, cozy things working out good. There is eternal purpose. There is spirit. God is remaining in you, and you remain in him. He is producing fruit because he wants the fruit of his vine to come from the branches. Right? When we, when we read that passage in John 15, it doesn't say, you know, do you, you know, we'll cut a vine off and we'll just make the fruit come from the root. No. He wants the fruit to come from the branches. He has chosen that you as branches of his vine are where the fruit will be produced. And our last one for today's list, the way, the last way that I have here at least, a generosity helps us thrive in our relationship with Christ, is it reveals our sin. Maybe it's a sin of greed, because maybe you, you just, you don't want to give up those things. Those are yours, and you want them. You, you want more of them, and sharing them doesn't help you get more of them. Maybe it's one of pride, as you think, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm giving, I'm helping people out. Or maybe maybe I worked so hard. Look at, look at all this money that I earned. God, aren't you excited that I worked hard so I can give this away? Or maybe it's hatred. Maybe you, maybe you want to give, but maybe you say, I don't want to give to that guy, though. I don't want to give to, to that person. I know they're in need, but I just don't. I don't like them. Someone else will give to them, not me, though. Or maybe it's just laziness. Maybe the sin is just that you're going to give tomorrow. Eventually you're going to give, and it's just, God, like, I know generosity is important. I'm going to get there. But here's the thing. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 says, For God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. Friends, God reveals our sin not to shame us, but to show us the state of our hearts, which therefore reveals our complete need for him. And remind us that he sent his son to die for us. That the things that we are doing that are getting in the way of thriving with him, those things have already been overcome. Right? God doesn't say, I've revealed your sin and, and now I just, I hope you feel real bad. No, he says, I want you to see your sin because one, I want to work through you and I want to move that out of the way so we can thrive. And two, I want you to truly understand how serious my son was about dying for your sins and how powerful and amazing that is. Last week, Pastor Dan quoted James 5.16. and says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effects. As if we want to flourish... We have to be willing to be changed 
as we are brought close to Christ. And if we ignore our sin, then, then we're ignoring what is the greatest hindrances to growing close to him. So we need to realize that we can trust God, that he came humbly to sinners, and he says, I want to reveal your sin because I want to help get it out of the way because I want to bring you in closer. So where does generosity start? You might be like, Brian, this sounds awesome. I love it. Or, Brian, I'm feeling real convicted, and, and, and I've, I've got to go pray and seek the Lord. Or maybe you're like, Brian, I've been given, and, and I, you have breathed new life through, through the word of God. I'm so excited. Whatever it is, I want to end today with talking a little bit about what we can do. But the first thing that we've got to remember before we go into maybe some of the, hey, here's ways we can give, is we have to recognize and be encouraged that generosity starts with God. Generosity starts with God. Because it, it doesn't start with you having stuff, right? It isn't like, oh, sweet, I've got stuff now, I can go be generous. It, it doesn't start with, oh, you know what, I've got a free Saturday anyways, that's great. No, generosity starts with God. It doesn't happen as a result of the position that we have put ourselves in or that we're in. It is because God has positioned you. It is because of our position as saved and in Christ. God has given you the things. If we go back to the, the passage in 2 Corinthians, it says, now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Guys, every good thing comes from the Lord. Even the one who is generous, that which they can be generous with is from the Lord. It all starts with God. That's why here it says, it says, hey, God provides the seed, so we can't even sow a seed without God providing that seed. Just as much as he provides what is reaped and given. So let's finish here today. We'll look at those things um, that we've generously received that we can then give to others. And as we go through this, I encourage you maybe to write these down. They're, they're, I think they're all in the blanks. There's a lot of things that I mentioned that you're like, I'm writing this down, it's not there. These are on the, on the paper. Um, but I encourage you this week, today, to pray about these. Whether you're like, man, I do a lot of these, I do all of these, I do none of these, I encourage you to pray about it. Whether it feels easy or hard, seek the Lord. If you can't give in an area cheerfully too, I want to remind you that that scripture says, hey, don't do it. Don't, don't, don't give because you feel pressured. Don't give because you're just like, oh, I guess I just have to, whatever, or, 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 or just, oh, I'm not even thinking about what I'm doing. No, God wants us to be thoughtful givers, and he wants us to be cheerful givers. But wherever your heart is on that spectrum, I encourage you to pray, and to pray specifically, to say, God, this thing, and maybe even start saying, God, this person, or this organization. So the band's going to come up, and, and, and I'm going to talk just quickly about a couple different ways. So the first way that we can be generous and give to others is money. Um, and I know you might be thinking, like, man, Brian just talked about generosity for 30 minutes, and he hasn't really talked about money yet. Um, but I'm gonna, we're going to bring it home. We're going to go there. So uh, financial giving is probably um, one, of the, one of the biggest ways that we see um, being talked about in church. But it's also talked about in Scripture. Old Testament talks about tithing. Um, it actually talks about, hey, a specific percentage um, and giving it regularly. Paul talks about giving financially to support the saints and those who work in ministry. 
Um, we even see in Scripture that, that some of us are actually blessed with this spiritual gift of giving. So some of you, some of you may have the gift of prophecy. Some of you may have the gift of comfort or teaching. Some of you might have the gift of giving. But regardless, we've got to recognize that we've got to pursue God and look at that. And I think beyond just tithing and those of us who are, have a spiritual gift of giving, I think we can just go beyond that and say, hey, you know what? I know of an organization or a missionary or, or a cause that's close to my heart, and I want to pray about that, and I want to see, God, can I cheerfully give here? Is this area you're calling me to give? Or maybe it's just closer to home, and maybe it's, you know what, I know someone down the street could just use a couple bags of groceries. Or, or maybe it's something bigger. There's a family in need, and we, they, they really could use financial support. Money, I think, is one thing that, that we need to be praying about. We don't have to look very far on that one, though. I think that one, there's, there's a lot of ways that we can see pretty quickly. Um, and I think we can see in Scripture as well. Service is another one. I mean, throughout Scripture, we see service to the church. We see service to others, illustrated by so many characters throughout the Bible. In Galatians, we read that our freedom in Christ doesn't lead to earthly opportunities, but to serving each other in love. Guys, service is another way. Or genero uh, our generosity could, could come with just giving our time. Maybe there's someone who just needs someone to spend time with them. Or maybe it's your skills. Maybe you're really good at painting. And you should be here July 30th. I think they could need you. Or maybe some other skill. I don't, I don't know. I'm always, I, I, I work in tech, and I'm like always meeting people like, I have this skill. And I'm like, oh, my, I didn't even know that was a skill. But that actually sounds really handy. You might have a skill that you could be generous with. Or maybe your knowledge. Man, maybe God has just blessed you with the opportunity to grow and learn things, and you can be generous with that. Or your compassion, or possessions, or just listening to someone, or being kind. And there's a lot of things here, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you need to now turn your life upside down and be like, i got to make sure I can cross all these off and I'm being generous with those. No, but I think that, that we can grow in this practice and pray on it. And I don't think that God is also, he's not calling you to never rest either. You might be sitting here thinking like, Brian, you just booked my next 10 years of life with generosity. Guys, the same God that calls you to giving your life for others, to considering others better than yourself, to be generous, to live sacrificially. You want to know what else that same God commanded us to do? That's the same God that commanded us to rest. That's the same God that said, hey, you know what? I spent six days making this amazing universe, which we're now getting to see on the James Webb pictures that are just amazing. And he said, after he did all that, he said, I'm going to rest. And he calls you to that rest as well. So I encourage you, guys, this should not be stressful. It should not be overbearing. But it, eventually, as you seek Christ, will be joyful. And he will call you to others. He will call you to rest and care for yourself. And I think the last thing I'll say is not only is he calling us in these walls and outside these walls, but maybe the first place that he's calling you to be generous is in the walls of your home, with your family, with your kids. Maybe that's the first spot. We serve a God who loves us, and he looks to bless us and bless others through us. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you were generous first. We thank you that everything that you tell us to do, 
brings us closer to you, God, and that we can trust, Lord, that you have eternal purpose in all of the things that you do. You do not ever stop thinking about when we will all be home in heaven with you. And everything that you say, go and do this, I call you to this, you're thinking of heaven. God, you take care of us, and you have decided that you will take care of others through us. God, that, that, that you will take care of us through others. You are so good, God. And I pray that we would find peace and joy in your word in knowing these things today. That you would convict us where and how to be generous. And that you would work in our hearts as we obey you. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We pray this in Christ's name.